Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, and so am I. Here as we discuss Mississippi State sports on a Friday morning on the Believe Network. Yes, it's Friday morning in Bulldog country, and Bulldogs are scattered hither and yon. Yon being Tampa, where Ben Howland's Bulldogs are playing their second game in the Southeastern Conference Basketball Tournament this evening. And hither being Duty Noel Field, where the Bulldogs are back after a six-game road trip to host Princeton in a key series. We'll talk about why it's a key series later. And there are a lot of reasons there are when you never expected when to host a Princeton Tiger team. One of the Snowbird Clubs coming down is uh, crucial. And by the way, parenthetically, what do you think these Princeton kids who have escaped the uh, winter reaches of New Jersey and have headed to the supposedly sunny south and are running into some weather conditions down here that have forced a few time changes? They're thinking, and we could have stayed home to see some of this. Well, they could not stay home and see Polk Demet Stadium or play on the best playing surface, the best stadium, the best dadgum baseball atmosphere short of Omaha in all of the sport. So the Tigers will be in town and getting ready for this afternoon's 4 o'clock start. That's revised time, 4 o'clock against the Dime Dogs. But first, let's look farther from campus. Uh, I mentioned that uh, baseball is at 4 o'clock, so that will affect radio. You'll be able to watch the game on SEC Network. But your radio broadcast will be interrupted simply because Bulldog basketball plays at 5 o'clock Central, even though they're over in the Eastern Time Zone at Tampa. It's a big game for Ben Highland's team in a lot of ways. Um, now, as far as a great, huge, big-picture items, no, this one game is not the key to saving anything or establishing any sort of uh, status that will make a change. Let's just call it what it is, an inevitable change at this point, not happen. But you sure want to see Ben Howland and this bunch have some success at the end of a really tough, struggling, rugged season, and they've got a chance to do so. Last night's wipeout of South Carolina, you'll recall that uh, Howland mentioned they played their worst game of the season at Columbia weeks ago when they lost to these Gamecocks. Well, it's arguable that the Bulldogs played possibly their best game last night, uh, certainly their best second half of the SEC season in just destroying South Carolina. It was a tie game intermission, and Mississippi State just totally put a whipping on them in the second half. Offense, defense, you name it. It was outstanding. Now, they won. Well, let's go ahead and get to it because it weighs very much into tonight's factor against Tennessee. Iverson Molinar. You recall how we talked Monday that Ben Howland had come out and said that they needed to take some of the grind and strain off Iverson Molinar. Of course, they said that all season, and he's still averaging 34 minutes a game because you just can't have your best player off the court very long. If I'm going to complain about anything at all from yesterday's game, it's simply that why was he still on the court with over five minutes left in the game and taking control? I understand the backcourt is thin as far as guys you trust handling the ball and taking care of business. But when he came out gimping in those waning minutes, you're thinking, why? Why did you risk it? And also, you know, you got in that little scuffle there with a um, chippy Gamecock, if there is such a thing. You know, boys being boys in that point, uh, you could tell that uh, one was embarrassed about getting the ball taken from him, 
and they managed to uh, conveniently bump shoulders as they sort of tried to pass each other, took a little offense, a little grabbing, a little shove, maybe not so little a shove, maybe in the regular season more would come of it. It wasn't necessary. I think Iverson took some of that attitude into a couple of drive and plays that, frankly, he could have got hurt a lot worse on. Instead, he came away limping. Finally, they got him off the floor. But you just sit there and think, all the things that could happen when you're doing well in a game. You're playing really well, second half, offensively, defensively. You're not turning the ball over anymore. And you you do something like that. And maybe in some peripheral way, it sort of epitomizes why this season never truly developed and what it could have been. However, the season does continue, 5 o'clock this evening, against Tennessee, arguably the hottest team in the conference, possibly the country in a team with a high NCAA tournament seating very much on their mind. Bulletin. The Bulldogs can hit from the outside. All right, you know, hitting 3 of 11 from the arc isn't much to brag about for most teams. For a state squad that had only hit a pair of trays in the last four games of the regular season, that's practically sizzling. Shaquille Moore stuck a couple of trays that had to include his confidence. Boy, did he have a breakaway dunk, too, that'll still be showing us in highlight plays. Just... Tolu Smith, now he owned the Gamecocks inside with a double-double, and no, we're not going to go down the full season what-if path today. We'll wait until it's over and discuss what might have been had Smooth and Smith and Rocket Watts been able to go. Anyway, I thought the move of the evening, of course, was taking minutes away from a talented but frustrating DJ Jeffries, giving those minutes to Anderson Garcia and that was a winner on the boards and on defense. Even even got a few points out of the guy. That's another success story you like to see. And, by the way, that evens Ben Howland's SEC tournament record now at 5-5. Five and five. You remember, of course, the 2020 season was stopped in just before the Bulldogs were about to play Florida that evening with a great chance to win and possibly lock up an NCAA bid. Oh, what might have been again in this program terms. Yeah, okay, let's go back to the what-if. Say you make that tournament in 20. All you had to do, in my mind, is beat Florida. People will argue, some say, that State had to win at least one more game to feel really confident. I think that another quality win that year over the Gators puts them in. If Tolu Smith is healthy all this season, they're not playing to just desperately try to keep extending their season because right now the only chance, as we know, of making the NCAAs is to win this tournament. Is it possible? Sure, practically. It's, think about those miracle teams of 2009. If this team wins this tournament against this year's SEC team, SEC roster, what 2009 did, nice as it was, is put in the shade because the league is much better now. But I just don't see the Bulldogs having enough firepower to go on a four-win tear in Tampa. And so that would probably mean they're not going to make it. No, surely. It means they won't make it. I've just got to quit even putting the possibility out there at this point. The only way they make it is to secure the automatic bid. That means four victories. If now they can play a whole game, another one, and then another one, like the second half last night, the odds of that, well, we're not even going to bother going there here on a Friday morning uh, while I uh, further caffeinate myself. With, and this totally unsolicited uh, promo, but um, I'm taking a fast sip of my strange brew choice of the day, which is their Sumatran beans blend. Caffeine with class, but 
Like I said, unsolicited ad, but uh, what Bulldog fan doesn't appreciate a good cup from Strange Brew? Anyway, say it's all over tonight. Say Mississippi State does indeed lose to the Tennessee team. What happens immediately after the loss? Well, for one thing, spring break is underway. It started today. Um, the rest of the student body is already scattered to all points, including the Bulldog football team, who are coming off midnight maneuvers. We're hoping to get an interview with Coach Mike Leach at some point next week to go over the results of that. A basketball team that can then head on because they won't be in A tournament bound. I suppose the NIT should be mentioned. Totally forgot about that, mostly because I want to forget about that. But, all right, we'll see how that plays out. And indeed, if there is an NIT factor in there, that may play into the inevitable decision of when to make the announcement. Now, call it a retirement, call it a resignation, call it a parting of the ways. I'll find up certainly some polite way to put it on jeanspage.com because I don't want to savage a good man who has done a tough job and who has brought Bulldog basketball back to a level of competitiveness and even to some extent respectability. If you take out his first two seasons, you look at his last five, he's averaged over 21 wins a season. By the way, State now is uh, sitting at 19 victories. So, no, I'm sorry, 18. So the odds of making it to 20 this year, eh, pretty slim. But you still have to respect the job he's done. How Mississippi State does it or how Ben Howland chooses to do it I suspect if it is a done deal at any point, social media will get it first because uh, a national writer just has a way of breaking news of anything that comes out of Bulldog basketball. Okay, that's from a long association with Howland at both Pitt and Southern um, UCLA. Not going to begrudge that. Contacts count in this business. But that's how we'll probably learn. We've, um, yes, of course, we've had the story ready to go for a long time. And then once that's officialized, then you can get serious about the coaching search. Well, I say we can get serious. Fans certainly have been thinking about it already, but you don't darn well. The MSU administration has been working on this for weeks now because they have seen this coming. And uh, the proverbial back pocket list is being narrowed. Steve Robertson, Mike Nevis, and Paul Jones will have more to say about this on jeanspage.com, of course, as this goes on. But for the day, just for this day, Let's go ahead and give the Diamond, the Basketball Bulldogs, our support, our hopes, and just to play a good show down in Tampa against a good Tennessee team and maybe see what uh, the future could hold, depending on which of these players decide to come back and which of their recruits stay with it. That's the problem is, once upon a time, it had been so much easier to project, okay, this is what a new coach will probably have to work with, with maybe one or two exceptions. The transfer portal has ruled all that out, so then we'll have so much more to follow. Uh, once the change takes place, even after the coach is hired, then it's going to become a case of getting in touch with all active dogs who are willing to talk about it, and incoming dogs as well. Are you coming? Are you staying? And if they have to make decisions, I don't envy it for them, but that's what the modern sport has turned into. So, as said... 5 o'clock tip-off this evening from Tampa, Mississippi State versus Tennessee. And let's see if Ben Highland's team can extend their season one more day, as well as MSU support staff down there who are enjoying much better weather conditions than they will be at Duty Noble Field. Speaking of the Diamond Dogs, I'm probably going to overuse this word before we get out of March, never mind the rest of the season, but uh, 
It is a frustrated squad that comes home after that extended road trip, which produced, let's see, there was a loss in Pearl a week ago. There were two losses over the weekend in New Orleans with one dominating win, which makes you aware of exactly what this team is capable of, and a split series with a very good Texas Tech team in Biloxi. Now, all of us would have taken that split straight up going into the week. We just get a little greedy when State just comes out and wrecks Tech to start the series on a Tuesday night with a fabulous pitching performance by Parker Stinnett. Then you come out and you fall behind five to nothing because um, State gives up two big, big contacts in the same inning. Game gets away. And so here they sit seven and seven overall. How many times have we already said it this season? How many times will we continue to say it this season? This is exactly not where the Diamond Dogs expected to be at a break-even point, 14 games, which is roughly one quarter of the season, especially because you know they have the talent. But we also know the contributing factors that are now really putting you on edge about what's going to happen over the rest of this season. We can't avoid the great big uh, limping elephant in the room, the status of Landon Sims. Nothing official has come out. He did not, by the way, have the MRI on Monday, as we were told would happen. Instead, he stayed with his ball team down there um, and played first base coach. Do you play for that? Anyway, served as first base coach, taking over the honorable position held by Riley Self so well last season. It's not where Landon Sims wants to be, certainly not one game a week, but with the state of his arm. And, again, Chris Lamonis does a great job protecting the player's image as far as injuries go. That doesn't stop everybody else from talking, speculating. Friends, teammates, relatives of the players do get word out there, They and it circles around. At this point, most expect that Landon Sims has thrown his last pitch as a Bulldog because, of course, he'll be draft eligible when this summer's uh, Major League selection process comes around. There is some chance, and Steve Robertson, who has been traveling with the team, basically, uh, they might as well put him on scholarship the way he's been hanging out with the dogs in uh, Pearl, New Orleans, and Biloxi. That doesn't sound like a bad travel deal after all, come to think of it. How did he draw that duty instead of me? That's okay. I've put in my years on that, too. But he's been keeping track of it and staying low-key because we just don't want to destroy any kind of trust with the program. And it is not our place to say, hey, we know for sure this is happening, but we're pretty sure what's going to be happening in that regard. And even if he is able to come off this and pitch at some point again this season, it won't be anytime soon. So the rotation takes yet another revision for this coming weekend, this time forced by circumstances. And I don't need to remind what a shame that is because Sims pitched, he was just pitching a great ball game to Lane. He's getting all the offensive support he could ask for, and then the elbow pops, and the rest may end up being history. Now Mississippi State's left scrambling. I talked Monday about how State needed quality wins. Well, they certainly got one over the Red Raiders. Instant was the key to that. They weren't able to finish it off the second game. But the key to that, too, is State did not have to delve terribly deeply into the bullpen. And, in fact, the guys they used in starting roles could come back also as well as weaken. Now, that's going to be key. All right. Any team in Mississippi State's situation has no business 
taking a team like Princeton for granted. I'm sure the coaches aren't. They've done their scouting, done their duty. But you know all of us fans are thinking, just roll through Princeton, get the guys some work, and now in a different role because you've got to move up Preston Johnson to the Wednesday, I'm sorry, to the Saturday start and said, okay, let me start over. I need more strange words. You've got to move up Preston Johnson now to the Friday job. He becomes the, um, by intention, ace in that regard. Cade Smith slides up to the Saturday slot. Then you have to figure it out. Oh, by the way, there is a player back on the roster, somebody we were very familiar with last season and in some previous years. Good old TBD is back. He's off the reserve roster, on the active roster, rested, ready, and lined up to throw on Sunday. All right, maybe it's not so funny, but you still have to look for humor whenever you can at this point. Mississippi State has resigned itself to the fact that Sims is probably done for the season, and if, if that is so, then you've got to slide everybody up. Now, here's the thing. Johnson becomes the lead dog with a chance to make an ace of himself. Wow, that sounds a little more clever than I thought it did on paper. Um, and, of course, Smith in the second slot. Remember, Smith threw last Sunday, so shoving him up into a Friday is just pushing the pace way beyond any good sense. So that's, uh, it's just so much smarter at this point to stick with a rotation, and I say two-thirds of a rotation, of Johnson and Smith for this weekend. Depending on how many pitches they have to throw or are allowed to throw, we could see something different next week at Georgia. Maybe Smith takes the number one spot and Johnson stays in number two. But that will be tournament this week because fortunately you didn't have to use those guys in the midweek. You did use fellas like Stinnett, like Jackson Fristo. Now he's a three-time starter this season, all of it in midweek, but he has worked Sundays in the past. And at times he was really good last year on Sundays. And then just the pace of it got to the kid later and by May, he was struggling, so uh, it means he's got he's been seasoned in the best competition. So you, you like the chance that he has of being that third guy. Now, and, and by the way, speaking of the game that got away on t- Wednesday, yes, there was a couple of home runs that blew it open there, but as Coach Lamonis commented, if you make one play in the outfield, perhaps the entire inning doesn't develop like that, and you're going on a much longer stint and perhaps even a victory, which would bode the talks really well in the RPI standings when they eventually come out. No, I don't use the unofficial RPIs. I admire Boyd. I admire what the other people do in this, but I wait for the NCAA's RPIs to come out because those are the ones used to determine who goes to postseason and who hosts where. But we have Fristo available uh, probably by... The end of the weekend, I think he threw, what, 79 pitches on a week on Wednesday night. So that's a fast bounce back. But, again, this is against the Princeton. Uh, of course, Stinnett, he threw 93 pitches, and that was on Tuesday. There's a possibility he could come back and start on Sunday, even if you don't long stint it. In fact, if you remember what happened so often last season, well, Coach Scott Foxhall would basically go with two starters on a Sunday. He would... Um, plan for two or three innings or certainly hope to get two or three innings out of the first guy and then run a second guy out there as all intention purposes as a co-starter I could very well see that plan being used this weekend against Princeton Princeton by the way they're winless um, 
And as our colleague Mike Nemeth has pointed out, they haven't won a baseball game since May of 2019. That's, of course, because the 2020 season got shut down, and they've really struggled in the years since then, but here they're coming in. Why you can't entirely take it for granted is the fact that all their losses are legit so far, including several one-run defeats. They've played a genuine Division I schedule, and uh, they're going to be looking at a state team, walk in the stadium, going to love it and think, you know, here's a 7-7 squad. We have a chance here. They're going to start a right-hander on Friday and come back with a lefty on Saturday. State hasn't seen a ton of those so far this season, and another right-hander on Sunday. And that brings up the matter of Bulldog offense. And that's, of course, been the sore point for Mississippi State in so many ways. We worry so much about pitching. By the way, uh, we don't know for sure, but it looks like Stone Simmons should be okay for this weekend, and we apologize greatly for any implications of him being misused last weekend because we did not know at the time that he asked uh, when he came back to the dugout after his one inning at Tulane in the Saturday game about having a sore arm or, or tightening arm, and they were not going to take a chance to put it back out there. So our apologies for overreacting. Well, it was overreacting Monday, and uh, I certainly did my part in that regard. So what about the Bulldog offense? Well, it is, to say the least, erratic. You come out and just lay a whipping on Texas Tech, and then you go over half a game without scoring against the number 11-ranked Red Raiders. That kind of epitomizes what this season is. Mississippi State has the potential for a good offense. Not the great offense at times of last season, although, as you remember statistically, State didn't rank that highly. But this year, just running through some quick where they are in the Southeastern Conference statistics, They're 13th in batting average, 13th in on-base percentage, yet somehow State has the fourth most at-bats in the league. There's something about that that really doesn't square. How do you get to the plate that often and rank so lowly in on-base? Sometimes baseball just freaking makes no sense in that regard. But what they definitely have been struggling in is getting people across the base and across the plate. The on-base average is not terrible, but they're not making enough out of the opportunities they've had to get guys moving around. And yes, they're running more often this season than they were this past season. And even a couple of times, a Lamonis, who is a, let's just say he regards sacrificing an at-bat the way I do uh, current gas prices. Enough said on that count. But he's even had his batters lay the ball down a few times this year to try to get something going offensively and play for one run instead of trying to play for the big innings. That tells you that there's just not a lot of confidence right now in what so many of the guys they can put out there are doing in the position and situations that they are put in. Individually, most of these guys were confident can hit the ball. It's just the timing or the lack thereof that has made things such a struggle because State is leaving men on bases. Right now, they're batting 260 overall as a team. Here's a curious stat. They've got 17 home runs and 17 doubles. If you tell somebody midseason that you you're, you have as many two-baggers as you have home runs, you think, wow, this is a team that's really you know pounding the ball, hitting it hard. Well, the, I think right now it, the home runs are fun, obviously. I think this uh, Jake Gotro wants more gap power. He wants that double account 
to increase, not at the expense of the long ball, but he really needs those extra base hits. He wants a few triples thrown in there. And he, frankly, Mississippi State starts to, needs to start reaching base on error they, because that does as much damage to a defense as it does a home run watching the ball go over the, there because you can't do anything about that. When a defense makes a mistake, then they all feel they've let things down, and that impacts how they play the next batter and the next batter. It gets in the pitcher's head. State needs to be able to force mistakes by defenses. Easier said than done, but for some reason, all these well-hit balls that State has been just putting into play have gone directly to the infielders. I know, I know. I learned early on in my life that's the matter of baseball. Ron Polk taught me about that many times. But it just happens that way. So let's see what State comes out with the batting order today. In fact, that'll be much more interesting than who plays where. Yes, the outfield is going to remain a shuffle out there. Uh, Brad Cumbest and Hunter Hines, well, Hunter at the DH position. Uh, Tanner Leggett is probably going to stay in the middle infield now because he hits just well enough and is making the plays defensively. So... That way he's he's moved ahead of Lane Forsythe at the shortstop position. You need R.J. Yeager to start swinging like he did at Mercer. That's why he was brought here. What do you do with the leadoff again? State just keeps shuffling that position. Do you take one of the guys, four or five guys, who are hitting somewhat consistently and put him up there, but not having him in an RBI position? You know, there's so many questions that Jake Gotro has to answer there and in conjunction with putting a capable defense because outfield defense has been a little bit of an issue as well. You think about the sack fly down at Tulane. You think about the fly ball against Texas Tech. Those weren't errors. It's just plays that weren't made. And there is a subtle difference, but in the end run, it still added up to runs and big innings for the other team. So... There's so many factors to consider. So like yourself, when that order comes out, I'd say sometime around, oh, about three-ish. If you watch for Mike Nemeth's post on genephage.com, he'll have it available. And we'll start seeing. And that will give an idea of what Mississippi State really wants to try offensively, probably much more than defensively at this point. Because let's face it, if you can't defend against a Princeton team, then you've got larger issues. This is a series to get the offense in gear because it's now SEC season is a week away. And as Lamona said himself, they have four more games to tune up for a road trip to Georgia. Uh, I started looking at the Georgia Bulldogs last night, and I ought to have been slapped for doing it because any Diamond Dog fan who is thinking remotely past the next game is just Okay, I'm just doing it out of old habit because you always assume that you're going to go in there. Well, right now, State can't assume anything. You've got to go out there, do it on the field, make it happen, get some momentum going back in a better direction, get some guys healthy. In fact, we still wonder about the condition of Luke Hancock's hand after taking that hit by pitch. And nothing officials come out. Another reason to watch the order this afternoon and see how that factors into it. And by the way, even if, even if he is not in the lineup, that's not necessarily a terrible sign because they may use this series to work other guys at first base as well, something that normally you would be thinking State would be doing four weekends into an SEC, uh, into a regular season before conference play. 
but this is not a normal situation for a 7-7 team that has just got to start stringing a bunch of wins together. These will not be quality wins, but you've got to get those W's before you head on over to Athens next weekend. And, of course, after that comes Alabama. And I will say this. Okay, slap myself. Slap right there. Looking that far ahead, the schedule maker may have done the Bulldogs a favor by giving them a Georgia team that, yes, they're 10-3, and three, but they've played a lineup that, uh, well, let's just say, it is a tune-up sort of lineup, and their only Division One power teams they played, their rival Georgia Tech, they lost two of three games to that one. Then you've got an Alabama team that is still trying to figure its way back. So State's got a chance to get some momentum and go into SEC season with something positive on the plate, hopefully on the mound, and hoping beyond hope there's some really good news about Landon Sims. If not, you just next man up, as they say, and start putting it together for the rest of the season. Anyway, a busy Friday for the Diamond Dogs, for the Basketball Bulldogs, for Coach Ben Howland, for the MSU administration, decisions to be made. A lot happening here in Bulldog country, whether directly on the campus or down in the much warmer environs of Tampa. But we'll be tracking it all and following it through the weekend. Check us out on jeanspage.com, where we'll be tracking all these things, writing stories. And uh, also, um, for veteran baseball fans out there, just those who want to read a little baseball history for Mississippi State, and who doesn't, Check out a story posted yesterday, the first in a series. I've put together my all-decade Diamond Dog team from the 1980s, and already the arguments have started. Well, of course they have. What's better than arguing about somebody else's list and making your own list? That's the whole idea. Go there and check out the Diamond Dog team, all-80s team. We'll have an all-90s team at some point this coming week, then the 2000s and 2010s. But... Uh, Let's just say this, even if we argue about who should be in right field in the 80s bunch and who should be your relief pitcher, wouldn't you love to go to war with a lineup like that? Anyway, this is your host, David Murray. Enjoyed talking to you on this Friday morning on the Doghouse here on the Believe Network. Check back with us and follow us on jeanspage.com as well. Until then, go dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.